All right, well, good morning. Good to be back. Um, I tell you, uh, we have a, a lot of food that we're going to be um, delivering to the uh, Bustle family for Thanksgiving. And uh, it is awesome to see that, um, that, that we're a, a church that cares and, and loves and, and, and wants to help others, uh, especially around this time of season and people in need. That you know, I, I think about the kids at our school that, you know, at Thanksgiving, they, they see TV shows and they hear about other people, you know, see pictures on social media and they're having a Pop-Tart or they're just, you know. Um, so this is awesome. I, I'm really excited about that. So uh, be, be in prayer for the Bustle family. Um, I, I know our, the secretary at our school spoke to uh, the grandmother and they're, they're very excited about it. So um, they'll be... Uh, Receiving the food Friday, they give the time for the turkey to, uh, to thaw, and um, so uh, hopefully they'll have a, uh, a blessed Christmas, or Thanksgiving, sorry. Um, so I'm really excited about uh, th- this, uh, this message today, uh, so I, I want to jump right to it. I- if you would, uh, find uh, Mark chapter 2, and we're going to be... Uh, in the very beginning, verse 1, Mark chapter 2. And then I would ask if you were physically able to stand for the reading of God's Word. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the Word of God says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately, many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. And Jesus saw their, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his, in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves. He said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, We never saw anything like this. Let's pray. Lord, again, we're so grateful to be in your house together, uh, just to be able to come together freely to to worship you as a blessing, Lord. Uh, We pray that you would uh, speak to us today and and, and allow us to um, hear your word. Lord, I pray that you will just speak through me. Don't allow these to be my words, but allow them to be yours. Speak to us today as your servants are listening, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Um, I like this story because it's so vivid. Uh, Mark really paints a, a picture for us. It's very easy for us to, to see and, and picture it happening. Uh, I have this picture in my mind of uh, these four men, each with a, a corner of the paralytic's bed, lowering him down through the roof of these people that are just sitting on the ground all around Jesus. And I, I don't know where I had that picture from. I'm sure we've all seen pictures like that. I, it was probably in one of uh, Charlotte's story Bibles where there's a lot of pictures in them. But I could just see that so vividly and see it happening right before Jesus. Um, but it, it's so well written that the text and the story just seemed to come alive on the pages. It's just so easy to picture. And, and, and in fact, just reading it, it really, it really just preaches itself. It's not a difficult text to understand. Um, so I'm not going to try to complicate it today, but uh, I am going to preach it. So I want to take a look at verses 1 and 2 to start off with here. It says, And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. So Jesus has returned to Capernaum. Uh, he went on a, a preaching and healing tour through Galilee. Remember, he was casting out demons. He was uh, healing the sick. He was giving sight to the blind. And he was preaching the word. And he went all through Galilee doing this. And then eventually he, he, he healed a leper and said, don't say anything to anybody. And he ran and told everybody, right? So he left. He comes back to Capernaum. And that's where we, we pick up here in Mark. Um, now, the miracles that Jesus had performed in Galilee were obviously well known to the people in Capernaum. Galilee and Capernaum were neighboring cities. They, they were less than 20 miles apart. Okay, so people uh, knew what had happened in Galilee. That, that's like if somebody were going around Pineville right now, healing the sick and, and, and casting out demons, we'd probably hear about it. it news would have traveled fast. They heard about Jesus, and they knew uh, when he arrived. So, uh, the people know that he's back, and they know which house he's in. We aren't told whose house he's in, but many uh, scholars believe this would have been Peter's house. They, they taking a guess, but they believe it would make sense that this would be Peter's house. So, look at verse number two. Immediately, many gathered immediately so many had come to the house uh that there was there was so many that showed up that there wasn't room for them all uh people couldn't even get near the door people were just trying to get close enough i don't know how many deep they were just to try and get close to the house maybe just to get a peek of jesus just to hear some of his words notice how verse two ends though it says and he preached the word to them. And he preached the word to them. I'm sure that there were people that, that were there that wanted to hear Jesus speak. They wanted to hear uh, what he had to say. But I'm guessing there were a lot of people there that came for the show. Right? They heard what had been going on in Galilee. 
now that he's here in Capernaum, they want to see some of that for themselves. And it only makes sense. I mean, which stories do you think would go faster? Which stories do you think would spread faster? That, oh, he, he cast out demons, or you should really hear him talk. A lot of people would have been impressed by the way he spoke because they hadn't heard somebody preach with that kind of authority before. But picture today's day and age, right? Just as people. You see something that's so amazing that you would spread that word quickly. A lot of churches will feed off of that today. You have a lot of pastors that want to put on a show. They want to tell all the jokes and the stories and they want to have music and strobe lights and it just, it takes away from the word, right? Um, charismatic preachers will, you know, just, they'll take over the show and it becomes more about the person preaching the word and less about the word. And, and that's not what we need. We're not here to entertain but what does the text say Jesus did? It says he, he preached the word to them. He preached it. Now, I'm sure there were probably people there that were tapping their feet, looking at their sundials or whatever they did for checking time. But I'm sure there were other people there that were just hanging on every word, that wanted to hear what he had to say. Jesus is the word, and he's preaching the word. That had to have been exciting. Even for the people that were just there to see the show, just to hear his words, to, to hear him speak, had to have been exciting. But to allow that to enter your heart, to allow that to, to affect you, you have to be willing to open your heart to the word. If you're not willing to open your heart to the word, it's not going to hit you, right? If you're determined not to receive it, and we'll see this in a little bit with the scribes, you won't. You have to open your heart and be willing. Be willing. But Jesus just wanted to teach them. And he wants to teach us today. He wanted to teach them at the time. He wanted them to come down, sit around him, and allow him to just speak to them. Just allow him to teach. And he wants us to learn today. That's why the word is so plain. So that we can learn. Right? He makes it simple so that we can all understand. He makes it simple so that somebody like me can share it. If it was complicated, we wouldn't be able to share it. He makes it very simple for us. And I, and I think we would all agree that if we were sitting around in a room listening to him teach, we would have probably been on pins and needles, right? We would have been excited to hear him preach, trying to absorb every word as if our lives depended on it, which, which they do, okay? But... Do we have the same zeal or, or, or vigor or, or excitement when it comes to the Bible? Because that's his word. It's the same thing. Charlotte and I were talking about it this morning. She was looking at my Bible and she said, she was pointing at the red letters. She said, that's Jesus. Well, she said, because Jesus' blood was red. So uh, I'm not sure if she exactly understands, but she was right about it. Jesus' blood was red. And we were talking about how the things that Jesus said are in the red letters. And I, I was really impressed by her this morning. But it, it, if we would have been there, we would have been excited. We would have been sitting on pins and needles. We would have been listening intently. How come when we pick up the Bible and we start reading, how many people say, oh, this is a little boring here. Let me skip, 
skip ahead. Oh, this looks good. Let me, okay, Jesus rejected a Nazareth. We do that, right? We, we, we skip ahead. We, we, we take some scripture and we say, well, that's not as important. I, I want to read something else. But it's all his word. We, we need to treat every word as though it's important to us and special. It's his word. Have you ever wondered why he would just sit down and talk to them? Like, he's Jesus, right? It, it, I, he could have done anything to, to prove in who he was. He could, have done, he could have done anything to prove that, that, that he, could, um, he was the son of God. He could have had the, the, the sky open up and angels fall down from heaven at his feet and just worship them right there in front of everybody. He could have done that, but he didn't. He chose to just teach. He chose to preach his word. And I think it's because the word is enough to change our hearts if we let it. And that's what it comes down to. We've talked about this several times. It comes down to choice. And, and that's what he was doing here. He was teaching. Those that wanted to, to, to hear the word, those that wanted to accept it, they would have heard it. So verses 3 and 4. And they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was, who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. So these five men show up. There's a paralytic and four of his, I'm assuming his friends, his buddies, uh, they're trying to help them out. But they're late. Uh, we don't know why they weren't there sooner. right? Maybe one of the four was walking home and he saw a big commotion at Peter's house and said, well, what's going on over here? And they said, oh, Jesus is here. You didn't hear about him healing people in Galilee? And he said, I got an idea. Let me get my three other friends and the paralytic and we'll go down together. They showed up and it was late. It could be that maybe they only had 3G back then. And they, they, their, their social media wasn't loaded up fast enough to know that Jesus was in town. For whatever reason, they weren't there. They got there late and couldn't get to the door. The Bible says that when they got there, the crowd wouldn't let them in. The crowd wouldn't let them in. So one of them gets the idea, well, let's get up on the roof. Let's get up on the roof and, and we'll, we'll just dig a hole. Because what they used to do is they would have beams running across. This would have been a flat roof. They would build beams and then they would lay sticks across them. And from what I read, they would actually put dirt on top of the roof about a foot deep. To the point where they would actually have like grass that was growing on top of it. So they would have had to actually dig, literally dig down into the roof to get through. And they said, okay, once we get up there, we'll dig down and then we'll lower you to the floor. By, by a, a show of hands, how many people think that was the paralytics idea? <laughs> Not, no, I don't think so either, right? If I was the paralytic, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Lower me through the roof. What if you drop me? 
they probably would have said, well, Jesus is here to heal you anyway. I'm sure he could do a little, take care of your concussion. But they lower him through the roof. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time we were ever that passionate about bringing someone to Christ? When was the last time we saw somebody in need of God's healing power and were willing to go to such extreme lengths? To be honest, I don't know if it would have even occurred to me to do that. Even this week, I invited somebody here. Uh, this week, uh, somebody I work with, and she said, um, I-, I can't this weekend, but maybe next weekend. And I just let it alone. I left it at that. You know, I-, I wasn't firm enough. I wasn't passionate enough at that time to say, well, I'm going to hold you to it. What do you got going on this week? Why, why can't you? I didn't, I didn't press her. Um, and-, and looking back on it, I-, I don't think these four friends would have done that to this paralytic. And this paralytic said, no, I, I, I can't, uh, the, my, my mom's making mac and cheese, which is my favorite, and I, I don't want to miss it. They wouldn't have put up with any excuses. They, they would have said, no, we're going. He wouldn't have had much of a choice. They would have picked him up and carried him anyway. But I, I wonder how often we just are passive about it. We're passive about bringing people to Christ. Passive about inviting people to church. Passive about telling people what Christ has done in our lives. Um, I, I, I admire these men that we, we need to be more like. We need to be more like them to show that kind of passion about bringing somebody to the house of God. I, I think I, if, I, if I was them, I, I, I probably would have looked at my friend and said, I'm sorry. You know, there's just too many people. Right? Maybe we can try tomorrow. Or maybe if we hang out here long enough, Jesus will just walk by us. I don't think I would have come up with the idea of breaking into the house. But not these guys. These guys, they were determined. There was nothing stopping them. I, I read uh, where somebody nicknamed these four guys sympathy, cooperation, originality, and persistence. And I thought, boy, that would make a great four-point sermon. Um, so I was going to save that for another day. We'll, we'll, we'll do that another time. But when I picture these men lowering... Um, him down. I, I, I told you, I, I, see, I see that picture in my mind uh, of a storybook, I think, where they were lowering the man down by his bed, or it would, would have been like a mat or, or, or a sheet, and each one having a corner of it, and it's just lowering down. What I picture is um, God, when, when, when he lowered the, the, the animals down on the sheets to um, Peter. Remember that in Acts? Um, it was Acts chapter 10. I looked at it the other day. Peter's vision. L- l- listen to this. It says, The next day as they uh, went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up to the housetop uh, to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open. And an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descended to him and let down to the earth. And in it were uh, all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And the voice came to him, 
Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And the voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. I picture this man that's being lowered down by his four corners as somebody that was looked at as common. Somebody that was looked at as unclean. Because in this, in this time, they, they would have thought sins did this to him, right? Some, some great sin has punished him. He did something to be punished. And he's looking lower down. And, and I picture God's words here where he says, nothing that I have cleansed is unclean. And as Jesus goes on to cleanse him, to, to forgive him of his sins, he's reminding us that everything that he has made is special to him. Do you see, I, there, there's probably no uh, correlation there, but that's just what I picture. It, it, it just makes sense to me that anything that God has created is special in his eyes. And if he says it's cleansed, if he says it's good, then it's good. But I picture a lot of people looking at this paralytic and saying he's common. They would walk past him. They wouldn't want anything to do with him. Right? But not in God's eyes. Not when God gets a hold of us. Not when God cleanses us. God makes us holy. He sets us apart. And uh, that, that, that's what I, I see here. So let's move on to, to verse number five. It says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. I don't know about you, but I, I, like, like I said, I'm a, I'm a visual person. When, when I picture this, I picture Jesus sitting there watching this, these guys lower him down, and Jesus probably had like a little, little grin on his face, a little, little smirk, like... like this is awesome, right? Look, look, look what they're doing. Um, because that had to be some of the greatest faith that he has seen up to that point. Um, that, 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 that would have been amazing. But So notice what the text says. It says, when he saw their faith, which was plural, he healed this man of his sins. He forgave him of his sins, and he says, in part, because of their faith. When he saw their faith faith. That's why it's so important for us to pray for others. Because when God sees us and he hears us praying for other people, he will act in that person's life. Right? That's why it's so important that we pray for the lost. We pray for the saved all the time. Right? We're always praying for the saved. Every Wednesday night we're here praying for the saved. We, we, you know, this person's sick. Let's heal them, Lord. We, we want to keep them here. We're praying to keep the saved out of heaven, but we don't pray enough to keep the lost out of hell. There's something mixed up about that to me. So we need to pray. We, we need to, to pray for everyone that is lost constantly. Because God will move in someone's life when he sees uh, the body of Christ praying for them. Um, and I, I don't know how, long, how about you, but when I was saved, I know I had people praying for me. Uh, because after I was saved, they all came up and told me. <laughs> the whole church has felt like saying, finally, we've been praying for you for how, how long, Kate? About a year? Over a year. Over a year. It, it, I was going to church, and I was doing the church thing, and 
it was obvious that I wasn't saved, and, and, and she was going to the women's class, and they were just praying for me. And, and if it wasn't for their prayers, I, you know, that's why it's so important. We have to pray for the lost so that God can, can move on our hearts. So, and Jesus told uh, this paralytic that his sins were forgiven. Everybody saw the man being lowered. Okay, everybody saw him coming down. They're probably listening to Jesus' voice, but taking a peek up at the, the, the scene that was going on. And they were probably thinking, okay, he's going to heal this man's affliction. All right, when he gets down here, Jesus is probably going to heal him, and it's going to be amazing. But after hearing about all the healings in Galilee, that had to be on their minds. But it says... None of them would have been expecting him to say, your sins are forgiven. Because they didn't see that. They, they, they saw a man being lowered down with a disability. A paralytic. Couldn't move. Couldn't, couldn't walk for himself. He was being lowered down and they thought, well, we know what he's been doing in Galilee. This will be the show. Let's see if he really can do it. Let's see if the stories that we heard about in Galilee... Are actually true. Let's see if he can actually do that. But that's not what he does. He doesn't do what any of them are expecting. He says, your sins are forgiven. He dealt with this man's greatest need before his physical need. Our greatest need in life is to come to Christ. To have our sins forgiven. Our sin problem is the biggest problem that we will ever face in our lives. Because if we don't do something about it before we die, we will face eternal separation from God. And to be honest with you, I'm just, I'll lay it out. That's just a sugar-coated way of saying we're going to hell. If you don't accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you don't allow him to, to forgive you of your sins, that's just a sugar-coated way of saying we're destined for hell. But here's the problem with him saying that. Here's the problem with him saying, your sins are forgiven. There were scribes there, right? The scribes were all around him. Look at verse 6 and 7. It says, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Scribes were experts in the law. They were experts in not only uh, what had been written to that point, but they're also experts in the oral law, the oral law that had been passed down. They knew it by heart. Um, and Luke tells us that uh, these guys weren't local. We we don't hear a whole we don't see a whole lot about them here in Mark, but in Luke's gospel, he tells us that uh, many of them had actually come from Jerusalem, so they they they, they weren't from the area. So what must have happened was the religious leaders in Jerusalem had heard about what Jesus was doing in Galilee, heard that he was in Capernaum, and they said, okay, you all are experts in, in, in the word. You, you scribes, we're going to send you down and check this guy out. Listen to him, see what he's doing, see what he's saying. So they sent the experts uh, of the law to hear him. And you would have known that they were scribes 
because they would have been the, the kind of uppity bunch. They, they were the kind of the people that wanted other people to know who they were. They would have dressed differently. And they would have been sitting around Jesus, very proper, very, very uh, uh, well, you, you get the idea. They would have had elitist attitudes about them. Uh, but notice that, that even though they were around him, the sick man was trying to get in. They didn't do anything. They were all around Jesus. Sick man needs to get to Jesus, and they don't do a thing. Just because somebody knows the word of God does not mean they know God. Right? These men were experts. They knew the law better than anybody, but they didn't know God. And that was the problem. You'll you see that today. I, I'm one of those people that I love watching uh, YouTube. I, I watch a lot of um, uh, Christian and atheist debates. I, I, I like seeing um, apologetics. I like seeing how uh, these Christian pastors will, will, will use the word and try and explain it to the atheist. And I like seeing what the atheist response is. And I, I just, something about that I enjoy. Um, I, I just enjoy watching. But. Uh, a lot of these atheists that are in the debates, they know the word very well. They study the word to be able to try and pick it apart. Right? The, the, de the devil, Satan knows the Bible better than anybody. Better than any of us. But he's not a child of God. He's, he's, he's not, he's chosen um, his path. So, when Jesus said that he forgave the man's sins, it must have been a real shock to these men because the only one that could forgive, God, could forgive sins was God himself. So they recognized that Jesus is in effect calling himself God. He's saying, I'm the one. I, I, I'm forgiving your sins. But that's blasphemy in their eyes. That's blasphemy. Uh, that would be, at that time, a capital punishment. They could have had Jesus stoned to death for what he was saying. And, um, which is, this is the, the charge that they actually bring against him um, later on. In verse 8, it says, But immediately, when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things? In your hearts. So this is basically the second miracle that Jesus has performed in front of them. First one is he uh, forgave the sins, right? That, that's a miracle in our lives, to have uh, God do that for us. Now he, what he's doing is he is reading their hearts. He, he's showing them that he knows what they're thinking. He's revealed to them that he knows uh, what they're thinking. And he says, why do you question that I have forgiven his sins? Mark doesn't record their answers. He, he does, we don't see anything that, that, that the, the scribes say. But there were two obvious reasons why they were questioning this in their heart. Uh, the first one, which we just went over, is in their minds, God is the only one that can forgive sin. That's not your job. You... you you are not God, you cannot forgive sin. That was the first thing they were thinking. But the second problem with what Jesus said 
And why they would have been questioning it is, there's no proof that anything had been done. He just said, he just says, your sins are forgiven you. But there, you don't, you don't, your eyes don't physically see any change, right? His, his clothes didn't turn a, a bright white. Um, he doesn't start hovering before them. Uh, Jesus doesn't even give them like a certificate of, of uh, I don't know, forgiveness. So how do we know that his sins are forgiven? I think it's a legitimate question that they were asking at that time. How do we know? And Jesus is calling them out on it. So Jesus has to show them. Some people need to get hit over the shovel or hit over the head with a shovel before they can uh, recognize what the problem is. So Jesus asked them a loaded question. Look at verse number nine. He said, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you or say arise and take up your bed and walk? This is a loaded question. To them, from the human perspective, both would be impossible, right? He's saying, it's impossible for you to forgive sins because you're not God. It's impossible for you just to speak somebody back to health. Both of them are impossible in their human minds. The problem is, Jesus is God. Jesus can do this. So, um, just like the scribes thought Jesus was just saying the man's sins were forgiven, um, Jesus is basically setting them up here. Jesus is setting them up. And, and, and there's a difference uh, in the two commands. The two commands. By commands, I mean, he said, uh, what's harder, if I say your sins are forgiven or if I say uh, pick up your bed and, and, and walk or, or stand? Those are two commands. There's a difference between the two. And that's the key to this setup. The first, he's saying your sins are forgiven in the scribe's mind is impossible uh, and something they cannot see. The second, telling the man to stand is also something that they see as impossible, but is something that they would be able to witness. That's why, that's why Jesus says uh, what he says in verse 10. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, and we'll read, uh, let's go ahead and read verse 11. I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Look at that again. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He's saying, which is harder? They're both impossible. He's saying, okay, well, let me show you. Just so that you can see that I actually have the power to forgive sins, I'm going to do the other thing that you think is impossible. I'm going to make him walk. Verse 12, immediately he arose, took up the bed, and went out in the presence of them all, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Immediately he rose. He rose. Okay, This man was lowered into the house through a hole in the roof with a dead spirit. But Jesus forgave his sins and raised him up. 
Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we, he would have authority to forgive our sins before the Father. He would then be raised up three days later. And for those of us that have put our faith in God, he has forgiven our sins and we will someday be raised up to him in glory. It's it's a beautiful picture. I I, I know it it, it really preaches for itself, but but I hope we can take out of this that... Jesus is Savior. We, we, we need to work harder to get people to see that. We need to work harder to bring people to Christ. Because um, I, I know if, if people hadn't done it for me, I, I, might, I might be sitting on a bar stool right now waiting for the game to come on. Because um, that, that's the way I was living. And I had people praying for me. And um, We need to do the same for others. We, we need to strengthen our kingdom. We need to grow our kingdom. Not just grow this building, not just grow the church, but grow the kingdom. Um, That's what God has called us to do. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much. Thank you so much for opening your word to us. Lord, I just pray that your word um, will will be imprinted on our hearts, something that we can take with us and and share with others. Lord, I pray that you'll give us the strength and, and the courage to reach others for you put somebody before us this week that that we can share your word with share what you've done in our lives lord uh, we love you and you've blessed us so much we just want to share that with others lord give us that opportunity as we go forth this week and it's in jesus name we pray amen